Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Healthy Christian Project. Joined today by fitness coach and my mentor, Krista Baker. For the second time, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks. Different location than last time. Yeah, you got the coaching with Krista thing. You're just kind of like plugging yourself here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like it. I like it. So, okay. How long have you been coaching for? Um, Like, not personal training like always yeah uh coaching since 2018 since 2018 and then like you've been into the industry for how long i started with getting my yoga certificate when i was 21 ah but, so very really, young. like since i was 16 like i would always be at the gym and kind of teaching some stuff alongside different instructors and trying to really like figure this out but I was so, in gymnastics. I kind of like kind of went from trying to find somewhere to go. I think you I went from gymnastics time. to yoga to what else? Yeah, well, I wanted to keep my flexibility and I thought that's what I needed to do for health. Um, and that it would keep me skinny because most people that do yoga are skinny. That's what I saw back then. I was 16. I didn't really know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think and I, here you are I kind of like got into the sports because of my needing to not be at home mm-hmm. and then the gym became kind of a safe place is it still a safe place it's the only place <laughs> <laughs> not like only but i mean like i think people go to the gym thinking that people are gonna judge them mm-hmm. and it's like the actual opposite no one's there focusing on you everyone's just focused on themselves but it, but I find it actually is a more welcoming place to help people, whereas most people feel like they're like like they're going to be judged if they end up going into this room, or obviously because like they don't know what they're doing, they don't know how to use this equipment. Like it's like me going and trying to use my husband's saw. I don't I don't I don't know how to use it. I'm not going to pretend like I know how. You'd have to teach me how to do it, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's fine. yeah, I think the gym is a very safe place to be. It can be. Um, I mean, I guess it depends on the, the... Sometimes you get a vibe when you walk into a gym and it's like no one wants to talk to you. Uh, you could just, Like you smile at someone and they just look right past... At least that's that's what happens sometimes with me. But yeah. I think it's just like because those... Because you're a guy. I don't know. Maybe. I've that I have a beard. I'm intimidating. <laughs> it might be that. I love that's teaching fun. people how to use equipment properly, though. It's, it's actually a pretty fun part of the job. Yeah, it's nice to see how happy they get when they're, they're like, that's how you do it. I'm yeah. Like, yes. <laughs> Good job. That's funny. So yeah. I was actually just telling you um, that, you know, before we started, I was at the hospital on Sunday because my sore throat got really, really bad. It developed into tonsillitis, which, and then uvulitis. My airways were like really small and I couldn't breathe. I couldn't eat. I couldn't swallow. And I'm not usually at the hospital um, very often, but while I was there, it was a, a little sad to see how many people were there, uh, to see how many kids were there. Uh, yeah. There was a significant amount of kids. So I guess today, today's episode, we're kind of talking about like preventative healthcare versus just like medicine and stuff like that. So I have a question for you. In your experience, you know, with past clients or even with family and friends, have you found modern medicine to be more or less effective at preventing disease? Well, I don't think that, well, I think there's, there's different diseases to really discuss, right? Like, Mm -hmm. 
my mom has Parkinson's, so there's certain things that she needs to be doing in order to kind of get that dopamine. Um, but no, I don't think, I think that preventative is learning to supply our body with what it needs to thrive, right? Not mm -hmm. just get by, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of work that comes along with that to make sure that we do what it takes. And, and I don't think that like our, I don't, I don't think that we're, we're educated in any of our systems. So, you know, where do we start learning about some of the stuff? We start learning about it in school, mm -hmm. right? What are we teaching in the schools? Well, we're teaching the Canadian, Canadian food guide. And that's kind of where I think the root of everything really is. Like that's where this, that's where it stems from. And, and parents and, and people, they, they don't have time to research all of this stuff. We yeah. chose this industry. We chose to be in this industry. For us, what's common sense is not common sense to everyone else. I think we forget that sometimes. I forget that a lot. Um, yeah. Like you're like, how do you not know that? But it's like, oh, wait, you don't. Let me help you. Instead, yeah. You know, like I said earlier, like I don't just try to figure out how to use these tools in the garage. Like I'd have to have someone teach me how to do that. Yeah. If I wanted to learn how to do it on my own. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's okay. Um, but I feel like people are almost scared to ask for help or guidance because yeah, a lot of us feel like we should know this information or it's embarrassing to ask for help. I think there's pride and ego. Yeah. For sure. Or maybe you asked for help before and you didn't get the right answer or someone dismissed you. Or maybe you had a coach or it's something you're in like some little league thing and someone was really mean to you. Like that it starts it starts really young. I don't think that people just don't want help. Like it starts very young. I think it starts with parenting. I think it starts with how we are raised as kids. What we're taught, what we're not taught. Mm -hmm. right i think it would actually be a good idea too to kind of define here what is preventative health care like what does that mean um just in case those listening don't know well when we look at like when you look at studies and you look at like like if, we're, if you're a numbers person right and we look at like why people are really sick and and what they're what sicknesses are the leading cause of, you know, diabetes, cancer. I, I, I'm the kind of person I'm like, okay, let me reverse engineer this and try to figure out why are so many people suffering with these really big diseases that we have a lot of knowledge and we can prevent like diabetes. Mm -hmm. Right. And now we have Alzheimer's, which is type three diabetes. Okay. So, and I look at like some of that stuff and I'm like, so in order for me to not end up over here, I need to start preventing it earlier in life, right? I'm also a firm believer that it's never too late. And I also believe in miracles. So there's a lot of different things to kind of unveil when it comes to with that. But preventative is means that you're doing something in order to make sure that you are not going to get sick, ill, hurt, you know. So what would that include? Like what kind of things? Well, I'm taking ownership for what you consume. So what we put mm -hmm. in, what, what's at the end of our fork is really important to, to understand how much that really plays into um, long-term disease and illness, right? Um, 
learning about, I believe, learning about toxins in, in the air and the body, like things that are foreign to the system that the body just never really was designed to have. And, and a lot of that is just in some of the daily things that we do, like, you know, what I put in my hair and what I put on my skin. And even I found out about like your toothpaste has oh. stuff like titanium dioxide and, and all this stuff that's actually poisoning you. I didn't know that before. Yeah. You know, actually, I really started deep diving when Casey was three. So she's 12 now. Um, and so she's got like um, a bumpy skin mm-hmm. condition. And I know a lot of it comes from the gut. Now, I now I understand really where it's coming from. But the doctor, I was pregnant for, I was pregnant for Bailey. So yeah, it must have been, Bailey was, Casey wasn't even three. And um, they tried to give me like steroids, like steroid cream to put on her regularly. And I was like, you want me to put that on her often? And that's where I really, I was like, okay, I've got, I, I knew I knew a lot when it came to like getting well, mm-hmm. but I really went deep with my kids. Because I look at like, you know, a newborn, a lot of people are like, okay, I need the best of everything. I want bamboo clothing. I want like all of these like amazing things. I'm not going to give my kid any sugar till their first birthday. I'm going to implement foods very once at one at a time. And we do that for, for like kind of the first year of life. And then it's like. I saw a video the other day where a mom was feeding her child and it was like like a two or three year old french fries because it was the only thing that would get them to not cry and i'm like this is not the pattern that you should be setting up this early in life it's so okay i'm gonna be the last person that judges any parent because i know that i've made many mistakes along this journey but it's, it's our responsibility and it's it's our responsibility to get better but it's not only the responsibility of like what you're feeding them as well. It's how you treat yourself. Um, like you said, what's at the end of your own fork? Because kids learn by watching you. I actually was going through some old pictures because I'm going to be like doing a little testimony on Mike tomorrow. And I was looking for some kind of before pictures. Mm-hmm. And I saw this picture of Bailey. So she's eight now. And it's, she must have been, she's still in diapers. So she's like maybe two or less. And um, she was rolling out. She had the roller behind her. And I'm like, she's been watching me roll my back out so that my feel good. And I could stand up straight. Like she understands it. And she was only two. So they are definitely seeing what we see. But I think a lot of families just. Come on, the fitness industry has got to be probably one of the toughest places to be. I think it's just as bad as the pharmaceutical companies. Mm-hmm. To be honest, like. There is so much confusion when it comes to what it actually really takes to be well. We have made it so challenging for people to get good information. Yeah, that's true. And that's why people want to skip the steps. They want the easy fix. They want the kind of, you know, the easy way out because they're like, because, because people, because we need to be getting a better message out there. It's up to us. I mean, what we do and how we help people to guide them. There's nothing fancy or sexy about it. It's like. It can be boring and repetitive and a little bit mundane sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the stuff that works. Well, I'm like, well, why are we going there when we haven't even nailed down this big rock? Like drink water. Yeah. Protein, you know, like I sometimes I'm like, I know you guys probably really don't want to hear me say this again, but I'm going to repeat myself until you actually really get it. And it's like, 
You know, we have an opportunity to, I think in the fitness industry, to become better communicators and really help guide people to what real wellness is. And like, I mean, fundamentally, we have to have the why. Like, It has mm-hmm. to be important enough. And if you're a parent, if you're a mom, if you're a dad, your why should be because you want this for your family and for generations, right? But we all have our own past. Like, we all have our own issues. We all have our own stuff that we had to deal with before um, where, you know, maybe that access, that information wasn't available then. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, so where do we get information? Sometimes at church and we see how conflicting that could be. How many different messages like women should preach, men should preach, nobody should be preaching. You know, like there's so many different messages when it comes to, um, you know, these, these just like church functions. So how many more messages when it comes to health as well? So how come, you know, there's so few voices in the health, even the medical industry talking about preventative measures like diet and exercise and giving actual good information about it. I don't think that, I think that everyone needs to stay in their own lane. What do you mean? Like if I go to school, okay, like medical doctors do not go to school for nutrition. They have three days maybe in their entire seven years of schooling where they'll learn about that, right? Mm -hmm. So they don't have that. They don't have the knowledge. They don't have the capacity. They don't need to know that. I got a really good friend, like a good family friend of ours that we spend a lot of time with. He's um, like ER, ICU doctor. And Mike had an opportunity to hang out with him and quite a few of his friends that are like surgeons and stuff. And they don't, they're not taught that, but they can put, they can take a piece of your knee and make a new nose for you like they need to know that they don't need to know all of these other things right but i think the problem is is a lot of the world like the communities don't actually um come together Mm -hmm. there's a missing link right there i feel like there's an opportunity for like uh, my doctor's clinic should have me on the list of okay we understand that this this woman knows how to help people with you know next exercise nutrition but when I ask any medical doctor, they're always like, they won't do it. I actually have a story about this. Um, you were there for this, but I had a client, I'll call her Maya, um, and she developed endometriosis while we were working together. And her pain was unbearable. She was, it was really bad. She couldn't move. She couldn't exercise. She couldn't sleep. Um, and so she went to the doctor who did blood tests and did a sonogram and then advised doing a surgery months, months down the line. And he told her to stop exercising altogether, including no walking. He changed her diet plan altogether. And then she was just left in pain without any guidance. And so obviously as her coach, I wanted to support her. Um, and I, I asked for the doctor office number so I could call them and, and work together with them and see how I could best help her. And the doctor replied saying, you're not a specialist in this field and I don't want to talk and it's illegal for me to share patient information with you. And then she started crying and telling me about how much she hates healthcare in Canada. And I felt so, how, what do you do? How do you deal with that situation? How, do you, go well, ahead. I've had so many issues, which is why I do what I do. Um, so many. And I mean, you and I talked about this and we're like, we just have to guide and just be there and support and love as much as we can. Um, but like, 
unfortunately, that's where that's where this disconnect is. There's a lot of communities that they, they think that you're crazy to kind of go like be the other way or, mm-hmm. you know, how many years have I spent researching and learning about what it actually takes to even just build muscle? People don't even understand like the basics, right? Um, when well, I've been like, I'm a bit of a, like, we have to stand up for ourselves, but a lot of people are not equipped to do that. Think, think about it. There's, you know, uh, an altercation at the local McDonald's, right? Teenagers mm-hmm. are fighting or something's happening. How many people are actually going to intervene? Oh, it's going to be like no one. Right. They're going to be. People are going to take their phones out. out. Yeah. It, right. And post it. Yeah. But they're not going to actually do something about it. And that's okay because not everybody has been given the gift of having that loud voice or just a firm, strong voice because these people have other jobs to do and God has given them different things to do. But you don't, I always tell my kids, I'm like, you don't have to be somebody else. You have to just use the gifts that God gave you. Mm-hmm. And one of those gifts for me was a very strong voice, but it comes from my own trauma. It comes from my own not feeling heard. Um, but it's actually a blessing for me now. So I got like, you know, I, 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 I don't just blindly like listen to just anybody's advice. I have to, I want to, I want all the information and then we make an educated decision. And so I've had some issues like that started with me with the kids when they were little. And then just like this, this automatic, just try to pump things into you. When I was 15, I, that's when I stopped going to a doctor. She wanted me to go on Zoloft because I had a really bad anxiety attack at school. And to the, I remember actually, I was having a little bit of like, you know, little trigger recently. And I remember my friend having to, I was at the third floor and I, he had to like almost carry me downstairs and my mom was going to pick me up. But my doctor's first, very first thing was, why don't we put you on Zoloft? And at that point it was just a guinea pig drug. Like it was still. In yeah, trouble. actually I was similar situation. I had anxiety attacks in high school and I went to the walk-in clinic because I had no idea what to do. And they put me on lorazepam. I'm like, I don't need an anxiety drug. I need someone to talk to. So this is exactly what I was going to say. Like, I remember, so I, they, I, they said, okay, you have to wean yourself on. So day one, like break it in half or it was kind of a pill thing. So you had to like, kind mm-hmm. of half. so I took half on day one and day two, I went to take the other half. And I called my doctor and I said, I'm so disappointed that as a 15 year old girl, I came to you. And the first thing that you wanted me to do was to take this pill, which was not tested. It's a beta. I don't think I can trust you anymore. That's so concerning. It was in trials back then because I just, there's nowhere where we could just like Google and research, Mm -hmm. right? I didn't have a phone then. I didn't have any access to stuff. So what I knew in my heart was it wasn't right. And then that's what kind of really got me on this journey of, hang on a second. Like, you didn't even ask me what was going on. You didn't know that I was, like, dealing with some sexual abuse. You didn't know that I was dealing with some serious trauma, and I didn't even know my place on this earth. Like, I was suicidal. I was thinking about a lot of really bad things. You didn't even ask me. Mm -hmm. And there was no, so that kind of started the journey. But even recently, like, um. I mean, I've got a couple of different stories. One was like me trying to figure out some hormonal issues that I was having. And I had like gone to my doctor and I'm like, listen, I really, really need some blood work done. Like I need a full panel. Something doesn't feel right. And I was getting migraines like at the beginning of every cycle. And I would be in bed for three solid days. And I watched my mom suffer from them. And I had seven months in a row where it was like 
Wow. The cycle would start and I would be stuck in bed for three days. And my kids, like I walked, I watched my mom suffer for years. Right. And I did the calculation. I said, okay, I got 10 years left of this. Right. At 12 a year, I'm losing out on an entire year of my life. Wow. Right. When you do the math. So I was like, cause like, think about it three days a month times, you know, that's like 36 days a year. That's an entire month every year that is gone to me just because, and so what can I do to make that better? It's my job to figure it out. And he's like, you know, I don't, if I, if I do this blood work for you, I can get, and I get audited or flagged. I'll have to take a course or have to take another thing as to why we would prescribe this type of blood work. And he's like, you know, it's not like you're trying to get pregnant. I'm like, tell them I'm trying to get pregnant. I don't care at this point. So, um, he did, he said he was going to do a full panel. He said, I will not do this for you every year. He was very firm and I was very firm. Um, but it wasn't an actual full panel because I can take a look at it. I understand how to read some blood work, right? So I went to a naturopath, which is what our preventative healthcare system should be connected to. And I had some work done with her out of pocket, which, you know, just to get this one test cost $500. Wow. And then my appointment with her, which is another hundred. Um, but I got more answers in that one appointment there than I would have gotten from my, my doctor. And so he put me on a wait list to speak to like an endo, like a specialist, um, and then also a migraine specialist, right? I got a call back. So by the time I had done the work with her, I sent the results from the work that I did with her to him. He sent it off to the um, specialist. Two different ones declined working with me because that test is not valid here in Ontario. What? Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm glad because I don't need any of you. I found a hormone specialist who is a medical doctor here in Ontario who bills privately. She just, she still works. Like she has like access. When I do my blood work, I, it goes through OHIP, which is nice because that stuff really adds up. Um, but she bills privately. She doesn't bill under OHIP because she was like, I don't like how tied my hands are. And I can't do what I really need to do. He's like, she's like, I don't even need to read your blood work. I know exactly what's going on. So I started taking some hormone therapy with her. And um, the next month, I only had the migraine for one day. And I wow. was like, I'll take <laughs> this. If I get chop off two days, like we are headed in the right direction. But I haven't had one since. Wow, that's amazing. Well, part of it's a part of the story is amazing. The other part's kind of disappointing. No, but it's but it's good. It's good because we need to have these conversations, right? We have to understand that this is really what they're dealing with, and mm -hmm. they don't have that knowledge, right? They're not they're not equipped for that. They're equipped to do what their job is, and that's their job. Yeah, right? which is not a bad thing. No, it's, we need it's that. not a bad thing. It, we do. The medical industry yeah. is incredibly useful. <laughs> like yeah. without it millions of people would be dying prematurely. Right. But, right. And, but it's like, how do we become and work together? When I, um, when I had like done that with, with this woman, I felt like I actually called her crying and I was like, you know, this is the first time I've actually felt like I, I feel like very hurt. Right. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people don't feel heard when they go into these medical buildings. Yeah. Right? No, there's something wrong. No, no, no. Everything's okay. Your everything came back fine. Well, something doesn't feel right. And God gave us a gut. He gave us intuition. He gave us this opportunity to just 
start to connect and, and we understand it, right? Yeah. I had an enrollment call about a week and a half ago uh, and the lady came on and was telling me a list of everything that she was experiencing. And then she told me she went to the doctor and the doctor, without listening to even half of the symptoms, prescribed a chemotherapy drug. Yeah. And she's like, I don't have cancer. I don't ha- I don't need this drug. It's been giving me worse side effects, but they just didn't listen to me. And I'm like, I felt so bad, um, first of all. But then she asked me, she was like, should I continue taking the drug? And I'm like, this is not my place. I, I, I yeah. don't, I have, I've listened to you. That's where you got to stay in your own lane. Yeah, right? I've listened to you and I understand and I was empathizing, but I, I can't tell her whether to keep taking it or not because that's not my place. Yeah. Yeah. But you can guide her to wellness, like real true wellness, right? Mm-hmm. You can teach people how to just take charge of their own health and not, and like I'm in my forties and I'm grateful that I had my younger years where, you know, I did enjoy going to the gym and stuff, but I, I found it for the wrong reason. So I had to like recondition myself as to like, why? You know, I was looking at old pictures of me and I'm like, I thought I was fat back then. I'm like, damn, <laughs> you know, like, why did I, but why did I do that to myself? when I thought that all I had to do was eat chicken and salad and people need to realize like, it's, there's so much freedom when you learn how to just do this the right way, you know, as long as the intention is done the right way. Mm-hmm. I actually had a similar story to yours. Um, before. Around two years ago, I was having a a weird problem with my I, I don't know I, it was I was just in pain um, in like my bladder all the time and I went to the doctor. They said they're gonna have to send me to a urologist, like a specialist, someone who can actually deal with this. So uh, about a week after I went to the doctor, the urologist calls and they're like, "Hi, Ely, uh, we'd like to set up a preliminary phone call with you." I'm like. Okay. I was thinking that this would be the preliminary. Okay. Sure. Yeah, right. Um, when are you available? And they're like, I asked them, when are you available? And they're like, around six months from now. Are you okay with that? And I'm like, by then, I don't know what will happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, six months from now. Luckily, my, my father in law, who was also a urologist, was able to, to prescribe something for me, but like six months. That's, that's what, that's what the biggest highlight too for me was I got this call like six months later. So remember, I haven't had any migraines since I got this um, call six months later from the migraine clinic. And I was like, I don't need you guys anymore. Like, you're now calling me six months later. And then I also got rejected by two other doctors who wouldn't see me. And I'm like, so I've actually left that clinic. I was like, this is really, really, I'm like, a lot of the, a lot of the GPs like aren't even like going in office. So like friends of ours that work in the eMERGE, they're like, everybody's coming into the eMERGE. You're in the eMERGE this weekend. The reason why you're seeing all these people is because the a lot of the doctors are still, you know, doing the COVID protocols where they're just walking. They're just from home or working from home. Like my, mm-hmm. like my doctor just doesn't want to do the drive in. I'm like, sorry, but you, you signed up for this job and there's never anyone available when I need you. I feel like, like I'm not, I mean, especially somebody who doesn't use it very often. I'm like, Hey man, like there's a, I don't know. But so this makes me want to not rely on that. But I. You, I'm gonna like. I still firmly believe that we in Canada have a great system that just is messy. It is very messy. We're blessed that you know we are not paying 
out of pocket we're for paying, healthcare. We're paying for it. Uh, the taxes. We're um, definitely paying. But for I'm it. not paying like a hundred thousand dollar bill when I go to the hospital. No, but we're paying for other people to spend a lot of their time there because they haven't mm-hmm. done the preventative work. And that's where that's I true. kind of get a little frustrated because the system wouldn't be so bogged down if we actually like mandated exercise, mandate going outside 30 minutes a day, mandate, <laughs> mandate you know, getting like, sun. How many people break? in in Canada have a vitamin D deficiency? It's Isn't it most Yeah, you already know the statistic. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. That was one of the things too. Like that um I had even like okay, so today after this after we're done here, I'm going to have my lungs tested. So a lot of people don't know this about me. I think we did touch base last time, but I partook in quite a few extracurriculars meaning I started smoking when I was 12. Wow. Um, my That's sisters young... actually made me do it when I was 10, but I started having these little memories recently as I've been doing some, you know, some hard work. Um, and I was thinking about this one friend and we, we would steal her parents' cigarettes from the freezer. Like they would stock up. And so, and then we would sit outside of her house and smoke cigarettes like at 12 in grade seven. My daughter's in grade seven right now. I can't even imagine her even <laughs> thinking about doing anything like that but nobody was watching nobody was paying attention so i just probably did it to find you know satisfaction somewhere else right mm-hmm. and then i ended up taking a, a a really long route of extra like different i i i've tried it all i've definitely had an issue with some of that not thinking i had an issue at the time um and i don't have any guilt or shame or anything related to that that time of my life um but i um I'm getting my lungs tested today. I ended up with the first uh, original 2020 virus where nobody had it. And I ended up having some, <clears throat> some altercations with my lungs. And then I went through trying to get help. And that's where I ended up in the eMERGE a couple of times. <clears throat> and nobody wanted to help me. So my friend, he's like, I'm like, I need, I need to see you. I need to come in and see you. I also had a mask exemption because I couldn't because of my trauma and because of what was happening with my lungs, every time I would walk in a building, I would be attacked. So then you're like, well, I might as well just stay home. Nobody's like, this is, this is even twice as worse, right? Anyways, I, I managed to find an amazing respiratory specialist who is like, you know, he's like, he's doing every test. He's like, I'm just going to run everything for you. I just want to make sure we're not missing anything. But he made me feel, again, so heard during a time when I felt like, like he's, he's so amazing. And I felt like it was just God put him right there in my path. Mm-hmm. He helped me feel like, Hey, some of these questions that you have are actually pretty good ones. You're not crazy. Like you have a lot of knowledge here. I want, let me hear you out. And you know, when you're with a specialist, you feel like you've got to hurry up. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> I probably got like, 10 minutes with this guy. I just got to get in and out. Right. They're super busy and they, they don't have time for me. He had time. I was like, hey, shouldn't we be hurrying up? Like, you know, (laughs) and he's like, he gave me that time and it felt so good. So there's so many good people doing so much good work out there. Mm -hmm. Right. However, there's a lot of brokenness when it comes to what people think really takes to become healthy. Because they want the quick fix. They want the drug to solve all their problems. Ozempic all day long, you know, right. There's, I've got a couple clients on it and I walk through this process with them and um, 
you have to, you have to be willing to make like some good changes in life in order to make this work. And I understand that like, that sounds hard. Suck it mm-hmm. up. Honestly, like sometimes I really want to say like, I'm like, come on, man. Like, I don't want to be rude or mean or anything like that. But sometimes I'm like, you know, like, how much time are you spending on your phone? Don't tell me you don't have 15 minutes to go do some movement. Take a look at your analytics. Six hours on Instagram. Right. And we have to, we have to help people see that as coaches. Sometimes it sucks, but you're like, Hey, do you want to hear from your friend? Or do you want to hear from someone who actually, you know, has some authority in this area? Otherwise, do you want to hear what you want to hear or what you need to hear? (laughs) Yeah. How many times have we had to say that? Yeah. Because like a lot of the time they don't want to be convicted of everything that's going on. It's kind of like we want to stay in our comfort zone, but also have the solution. But why are you really comfortable? Yeah. Honestly, are you comfortable with the fact that you hide behind your kids in pictures? You know, are you comfortable with the fact that you don't want to lay naked with your husband? God wants us to. Right. Mm-hmm. That's why he created us to be like that. Like, do you, like there's a lot of, there, there's a lot of unveiling that happens. You have to really, obviously we know you have to want it in order to make it work. Of course. And change is hard. It's not an easy thing to change, but. Everything is hard though. Yeah. Life is hard. Life it's is harder hard. to continue living like that. I believe, I believe like it's way more expensive to be sick than to be well. That's true. Right. You didn't feel well you got a virus something happened you know you lost a couple of days of maybe working right but like let's it was, think about, <laughs> it was right? a lot. And you're like you're probably like looking around and i'm like wait a second like if something happens to me if i get in an accident something happens like you know heaven forbid I, I i just i'm not able to do my job right now like that would really suck you know that would but like if i if i could do everything it takes to make sure that it's not because i didn't take care of myself that's what that's on me yeah. Right? I ha- I've never been so excited to get back to normal work. <laughs> it's it's an interesting <laughs> feeling. I've been bedridden for like a week. Um okay. I haven't exercised in more than a week. So this is like this is I'm so excited just to talk to someone. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> to not feel unwell. I know I can't Yeah. Imagine. It's such a you yeah. take things you take the small things for granted when you're you know, when you're unhealthy, when you're unwell, when you're when you're sick, you take small things and you realize, wow, I didn't realize how breathing was such a such a gift. Such, it is right. I always this is my thing. I say in the morning, I'm like, okay, I've got another chance at this. Mm-hmm. I've got my two feet on the ground. My dad used to always say he's like, you know, open up the paper. If your name isn't in the obituary, then it's going to be a good day, right? But for myself, right. I'm like, hey, okay, I've got a chance. I've got another chance at this. And I don't got to be a hundred percent better than yesterday, but I can just be one. That's mm-hmm. all it takes. And you know, it's just like the next, okay, next step, next step. Like, why are we in such a rush? People are like, well, I got to lose this weight. Like right now I'm like, whoa, hang on a second. How long did it take you to gain the weight? To put it on. Right. Um, I sent myself a message. So on Sunday, my pastor was talking about, oh, his message was so good. But what he, one, one thing he had said at one point. He said, confirmation comes after commitment. And I was like, oof. I'm like, 
I could think about that in so many different ways. And the way he meant it might have been in, 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 you know, totally different areas of life. But for me, obviously, as a health coach, how many times do we deal with people that are afraid to commit? Right? Maybe they're afraid to commit because they've been burned in the past, or they've tried everything. Um, but how often do we hear people like, okay, I'm just going to pray about it. And then I'll get back to you. I don't make decisions as fast. Yeah. I get it. But maybe the prayer that God answered was this <clears throat> meeting here today. Mm-hmm. Right? Why? Like, maybe the confirmation will come once you say yes. Which I'm sure you've seen happen. And I've seen it happen that I've had a lady join the program. And a couple of days after, she's like, you know, this is never something I would have done. But I am feeling so blessed. And like, this is really a step from God. No one who has never joined the program has ever said that to me. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah? No one's ever been like, I didn't join the program. And this was definitely a step from God. Like, right. Yeah. It's like fear or just afraid to invest in really, really invest in yourself. Well, like, if you don't, honestly, if you don't pay for it now, you're going to really pay for it later. Right. It yeah. doesn't get any easier. A lot of people think that it's like, oh, you know, oh, I'll just, I'm just going to like try this for the next couple of months first. Okay. Well, you've been doing that for years. That is not the answer. That is you just deflecting and just not being really ready to make the commitment. Procrastination. Yeah. Procrastination is huge. I see it obviously with like a lot of the, the coaches that we, that have come into our coaching world. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's when they get to the point of coming in, it's like, Okay, these people are really ready to make a decision based off of they don't have a skill set, they need help. Right. And it's really important that we do that. But, you know, I want to go back a little bit to the preventative stuff. So here are some ideas and some things that we can do in order to prevent the multiple, you know, honestly, like I believe like heart disease and diabetes. Like, so I don't know if I've told you, Mike was diagnosed with diabetes. Oh, really? I didn't know well, that. I'm actually doing his testimony tomorrow. Um, when I got sick, I ended up with lung issues. When Mike got sick, it was almost like the virus triggered an autoimmune response in his body. And there's a lot of studies that show that. Um, and so it was almost like he had di- like a dormant diabetes that we didn't really know about. His dad and his brother, his grandparents, they all have type 2. So I was like, I was noticing like some really big changes with my, um, and I'm like, I, I, I'm like, how are you eating sandwiches every day and not gaining any weight? Like, and he, and I was like noticing some things like him, like, you know, shaking his leg a little bit more in bed or getting up to pee in the middle of the night. I'm like, we need to get some blood work done. Like you were just, there's something going on. This is during the pandemic. And so he had blood work done, which he's not a big fan of. <laughs> and then they call and they're like, Hey, like, we actually think that you we have the wrong blood work here and you have to come back and get more blood work. Like they must've mixed it. This can't be yours. And so anything that had been tracked from before was like, this is, this can't be yours. So he had basically found out that he had like a, um, uh, a, a type two diabetes, uh, uncontrolled diabetes. So his blood mm-hmm. sugars were like, I think at that point four in the fourteens, and you know, they're supposed to be between like five. Right. So we were like, oh my gosh, what does this mean? He went to the pharmacy and picked up everything that he needed. And I was like, wait a second, we can do this. We have education behind us and we have a really good community of functional medicine doctors, naturopaths, 
chiropractors, osteopaths, like massage therapists. These are the preventative people. These are the people that help us stay out of over here. Right. We follow the plan. So I was like, okay, let's figure this out. So Mike and I made some really big changes. Um, I did some stuff with him and we were able to get his numbers into the sixes. Wow. Yeah. So he wears a glucometer. We keep an eye on it, but he has never taken anything. And that's his choice. Maybe one day he might have to. We don't know. Because they actually think it's a bit of a rare, like they're like, the number should be like done. Like you should be fully reversed. And they're seeing some stuff that they're not loving after two years of doing what we've been doing. Very more animal-based keto lifestyle and then using exercise. So we go walk every day after a meal. Like we started incorporating all these things that we know are good for blood sugar. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't even know where I was going with that originally, but. You were talking about preventative measures. Oh, right. Yeah. So like making sure that we have like the tools in order to, to be able to, um, to solve these things. Right. Right. Uh, and working with other professionals. Mm-hmm. Right. I was going to say the tools are not necessarily the same for everyone. You know, like, you know, Mike doing keto is not what someone else may need if, if they have, they I don't know. Fat loss and they don't have Yeah, fat loss. Or even if it's, I get people strangely enough and they're like, you know, I'm just trying to, to be, to help my depression or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, why are you doing keto? <laughs> like, yeah. that's not going to help your depression. No, but the keto lifestyle was actually started because of kids with epilepsy, right? That's where it all started and it was helping them. And so they, kids that are having seizures are generally leaned in towards more of that. There's something happening in their system. And it was used a lot with strategies for people in war, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, like their mental sharpness and focus was better for some of these guys that were out there fighting for our countries. So it's really where it comes from, right? But it's also like just teaching your body to go. So to me, I think it's important that we teach or we learn as coaches really the fundamentals of why these types of diets exist so that when our clients come to us, we can understand it more. Because I do have some clients that lean better and feel better and can control. So it's like, what's the one thing that you can stick to long term? Not a lot of people can do that, which is why our doctors are like, Mike, what you're doing, not a lot of people will do. Like I'm saying one out of 20 to 50 might. So that's just what worked for him. Everybody gets a custom plan. Of course. But they need to be educated into the why, just like intermittent fasting for fat loss is like my biggest pet peeve. I'm like, yeah, it serves as a tool, but why did fasting start? Let's go back to the Bible. Mm-hmm. it's very mm-hmm. biblical it's like it's just like take away from like what we're supposed to be doing to give our energy to something else that's true yeah there's a i, I did an, a podcast episode about fasting um i cannot remember what episode number it was but it was about the it's kind of like a temptation because a lot of people will pretend or will convince themselves that they're doing a fast you know, for for the church or for Christ or for whatever yeah. it is, but are more excited about the weight loss that's going to come with it. Yeah. And that is that is an issue. That's a topic of and itself. And for the right reason. Of course, right. the motivation behind it. Yeah, because maybe your neighbor lost 10 pounds fasting. Like maybe she, like, like uh, that's the thing. Like it's just everything has to be so custom for people. 
you know, I understand like why, like we're just so uniquely made. God didn't carbon copy any of us. Right. Yeah. The best diet is the one that you can do sustainably for a long period of time. Yeah, but I think it's really good to understand the concept and and, and understand the why behind everything. Too, of course. Right? Like when we're having all these massive gut pain, you know, for the for the longest time, like functional medicine doctors knew about leaky gut. The longest time. I have a functional medicine doctor that we spoke to when Mike was diagnosed. Um and he he had written his thesis twenty one years ago. And he got like an A plus, which is very unheard of. And it was on leaky gut. And doctors were like, that's, and I, I'm like, sorry, but I'm going to say, because I'm like, this makes me crazy sometimes. I'm like, it is not woo. They, they knew about this for so long. Now they just named it gut impermeability. That's what the doctors call it now. And I, I'm like, sorry, but I'm going to say, because I'm like, this makes me crazy sometimes. I'm like, it is not woo. They, they knew about this for so long. Now they just named it gut impermeability impermeability that's what the doctors call it now Mm -hmm. but for you know 15 10 15 i don't even know how many years they basically were were saying that like you guys are crazy you know and functional medicine doctors go to school just as long and they're studying science but they're studying understanding the science of nutrition and wellness and and all of the other things right and they specialize in that and you know I think that when people get diagnosed, they become that diagnosis. Yeah, of course. It's kind of like that That's becomes an identity idea. point, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I don't I don't just have diabetes. I am a diabetic. Right. Right. Mike is not. I don't even like saying that he has it because I don't believe he, like, God's like, you know, we've, we've done such a good job. He's done all the work. I mean, I think that we just... And, and it made our entire family way healthier, mm-hmm. like way healthier. It's, it's just more energy, um, you know, just more knowledgeable too. Cause you know, I had a friend of mine, um, have a stroke and he's a year younger than me. He's a high school friend and his wife has just poured into every piece of information as to like how to get this guy walking again. Like to be able to use the different functions and she has done all of this research and I'm in a group chat where she updates people and I'm like, sometimes you've got like, when you're in it, you've got to really do it. But a lot of people won't do that. They just become it. And like, that's their identity and that's it. Right. Mm -hmm. What I've also noticed um, a little bit off topic, but what I've also noticed is that doctors are the ones who end up taking care of their health less. They are so, and their mental wellness. And their the mental wellness. They, see, they don't have somewhere to go. Nobody's telling them to get like, can you imagine what it would be like to have somebody lay on your table from an accident and multiple pieces of their body are in different places and you've got to put them back together? Like that has to do something that is imprinting in your mind. And you're told like, I mean, Mike's a police officer. Like he has been told to compartmentalize and just go and tell this poor man that his 24 year old daughter's dead. And here's the body. Like there's a lot of trauma that's related to that. And that's part of wellness. Like, remember we're looking at wellness is like 
as a whole, mind, not just the physical. Right? We go to church. We want to have the Lord in our life. We want to have the goodness in all of He does. And we have these requests and we have this ability to praise Him. And we have this amazing book that gives us all the answers. He wants us to be whole. He wants us to be well, right? And no matter where we are in life, no matter what we're doing, no matter, you know, what our profession is, like, I mean, I feel grateful my commute was literally three seconds away from the kitchen. You know what I mean? Me too. (laughs) When I think about my husband driving in and then doing these long shifts and taking down bad guys and just really, really like seeing some of the things that he sees, like all of our professions need to be we need to find that wellness. And then it's like, okay, let's, 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 let's talk about where do we start on this journey to what would you say is a step for people to become a little, take a little bit more control about their, in their wellness journey, the preventative side. I always say, instead of trying to jump in and do a complete 180 all at once, just take something, do a small step, you know, like 1% better each day. Because if you try to change everything all at once, realistically, you're going to end up changing nothing long term. So a small step could honestly be like we were talking about earlier, just asking for help, especially if you don't know all the answers. Or even if you do know all the answers, and you're not doing the right things, asking for help and finding accountability is something that, that can reap a lot of long term benefits. Yeah, I agree. I think asking for help is one of the most important things. But where do we find that help when we've tried finding help from and we've been burned? Mm-hmm. Right? Maybe that help wasn't good. I'm sure I probably wasn't the best coach for some of the people that I've coached. Me too. You know, too. I will take full ownership. And every single time I have somebody leave my program, I'm like, what could I have done? Just one more thing to help that person become better. Because when I do that, I, I become better. Right. Of course. Um, I think um, blocking out a lot of the noise. Right. I think you got. I think a lot of people need to sift through and see what it is that is coming up in their feed. Mm-hmm. You know, Honestly, I, I just like turn it off altogether. Right. Yeah, turn it off. But it is a place for information. Right. And and honestly, as as much as we all say, just turn it off. I think that that's not going to happen. A lot of people, you know, they'll take detoxes but then they go back on so why don't we develop a strategy so when you're on there you're seeing things that are going to bring light and life into your life instead of Mm -hmm. just this big fight or you know even some just overtly sexualized stuff that you're seeing or you know like we don't know what's out there um sifting through i think is really really big important part and finding someone that you can trust right i think that the church's could use to have some coaches come and speak to their staff or even to the church. Yeah. Eventually like that's, I mean, that's what we hope to be doing, like to be going into the churches and really like putting together like wellness weekends. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's often I've tried offering it before, um, but it often gets either rejected or ignored. And I think there is a little bit of a disconnect, not just in the medical industry, but also in the church and talking about health, fitness, and wellness. It's as if we sometimes believe that it doesn't belong there. But that's not true, is it? Mind, body, and spirit. That's right? true. 
We're really Trinity. good at tithing and we're really good at serving and we're really good at bringing someone a meal when they've had a heart attack. And we're really good at, you know, like all of these other things. And I think that that's an amazing thing to be part of, but it is a missing piece for sure. And mm-hmm. I think that it's, I'm really praying that like, I mean, I think even just with some of the vision that Mike and I have had with what we want to be able to do when we're getting into the churches and just kind of coming from like a biblical perspective, like of what God really wants for us, but just practical, like how to, how to, how to create like a meal plan, you know, but don't go and get a free meal plan on Pinterest. Cause you're not going to follow it. There's nobody holding you accountable. <laughs> I would say to people, I'm like, listen, you can go and download every PDF. You can do every free workout. You can day. ask AI to write you your own custom program at this point. You can. I'm like, and that might work for some people, but as an experienced coach with 20, I don't know, wait, I was 16 when I really got into the industry, but like as somebody who's been doing this for a very long time, we got to get to know people and people will not follow through unless they're held accountable. Even the, some of my clients that are like working with me now, I am still working on finding ways to just help them. But I've got to debunk a lot of stuff and I've got to mm-hmm. help sift through the mindset, you know, that you continually taking more calories away from your body is you're putting into starvation mode. And that is not how we're going to effectively look different in the mirror. That's true. You're, you're putting yourself into the scarcity, not just like your body is going into scarcity mode, but you're also your mindset's going into scarcity mode, which is not effective long term. fasting is always followed by a feast right you know there's always you have to also be able to find that balance right agreed so okay let's go like some tools for for people i think like i'd like to make sure that people have a takeaway a giveaway of course something to to take away from you know the preventative world is like first of all trust your gut like when you're in these offices when you're in these different um places like god will guide you like you should be praying about all of these decisions for sure you know i think a lot of people are waiting for the miracle to happen and i do believe that that will happen for many of us uh and sometimes it's just in different forms mm-hmm. however sometimes that miracle that that god will place the right person in front of you like at the you, right time for the right reason right like someone to be trusted in with that understands what health and wellness really is and don't be afraid to invest in it, right? Don't be afraid to just make the commitment and, and do something good for yourself. Like, you know, we are so quick to spend $7 at Starbucks, like on a drink. You know, why don't we want to invest in our own wellness? Mm-hmm. Get the education, work with somebody that's actually credible, not just an Instagram influencer who's just going to hand you a PDF. Someone's going to walk you through the process like Amy. (laughs) Or like Krista. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I mean, I love working with couples so much because when they do this together, it's like, oh. Extra accountability. They both see progress. health, you know, like. Do you you find that the men ends up losing weight more than the woman? Or like faster than the woman? No, I have a lot of guys that usually come to me to gain weight. Oh, really? Interesting. Mm -hmm. Like put on size. That makes sense. Um, yeah. And then the women are like, he gets 3000 calories and I get like <laughs> 1500. And I'm like, I know I got one over here too. Um, it's funny. Yeah. One of my favorite things to do is like teach women how to eat more. 
And they're like, I can eat all this. I'm like, yeah, you can. Especially if it's high volume food and like you feel good after eating it. Such yeah. a good feeling. It's so good. But, and so other, okay, other forms of alternative care for me or preventative care are people like osteopaths, you know, um, chiropractors, uh, functional medicine doctors, naturopaths, homeopaths. Um, Even therapists, oh <laughs> like your gosh, mental health. My best, like, I'm like, I love her so much right now. She doesn't even realize how much of an impact she's had in my life just after seeing her for the last couple, I think couple months now. I just like look so forward to our conversations together because mm-hmm. she's really helped me start to change my mindset when it comes to, I mean, so many different areas, right? You know, and like, ideally, sorry, go ahead. No, you go. I was going to say ideally and like in the perfect ecosystem, all of these people would be working together to help you. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's the, that's what I would imagine is the perfect ecosystem, but we can still try. Um, hopefully no one is giving conflicting advice, but what happens if, you know, you're working with two people who are giving you conflicting advice? That's the challenge. But I think that you have to just really trust your gut. Like mm-hmm. I, I, like, you know, when I work with some of my clients and they're like, you know, my doctor, I have one that's working with someone that does Ozempic and they have their mind, they have her at 1200 calories. And I'm like, she can't even get hundred grams of protein, but the body weight based off of her goals and based off of everything that I see happening, she needs at least 150, but she just physically can't get it in. And like, she's just in starvation mode. And I'm like, we're not developing the actual strategy in order to be able to come off of this. We've just, there's a lot of good things happening, honestly, with Ozempic that I don't want to say like a lot of bad things about it, but the reason, like, it has to be for the right reason. Right. Wasn't it created for diabetic patients? I think originally it was for, they were studying air growth. Really? I can't remember. I'm pretty sure it was like, that's what it was studied. Uh, maybe not Ozempic. So semi-glutide is the, the uh, peptide. Peptides have been around for a long time. People have been using semi-glutide for a long time. And then just the pharmaceutical company got their hands on it, changed a couple molecules, and here we go. We've got these drugs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of good that's coming out of it um, in in a sense of um, compulsion. So a lot of, there's they're noticing a lot of people that have compulsive like gambling addictions or binge like, you know, um, vomiting, like things like that, that it's actually really helping with. But it's not a one. It's not a quick fix. Nothing's a quick fix. It's stop thinking that this is going to be easy. Don't be in denial that you don't have to make changes. Yes, you can still enjoy a piece of pizza and a beer. And ice cream or whatever it is but even as coaches like even putting that message out sometimes it makes me crazy we are lying to them when we say yet yeah, we're not lying when we say you don't have to give up these things right because you actually technically don't but if we want to be optimally optimal and be really well you are going to have to make some sacrifices and you're going to have to give up some of the things that you're currently doing that are not working Instead of having ice cream and pizza and burgers every day, right? maybe let's limit it. There's still yeah. sacrifices. Yeah. And that's why I think that's another thing that we need to make message, like get our message out to as coaches. It's up to us to make sure that people don't think like, I don't like to say, like, I never want anyone to feel restricted. But at the same time, you are going to have to make some changes. If your body's not changing and you're continually eating processed food over and over and over again, sure, you could eat McDonald's every single day and lose weight if you're in a caloric deficit but you're not going to feel good 
And who knows what's going on with the rest of your system. Yeah. Right? <laughs> your poor immune system. I know. My immune system needs to go get take a look at. I got to go get my lungs checked. Yes. Well, I appreciate you being here again. Um, and to those listening, I really hope you found something mm-hmm. or can take away something after this episode. I'd love to know what people did take away from this. I don't know if you have a way to communicate with your audience. Yeah. Um, okay. What I'm going to do is put a little survey down below and just be like, what'd you take away from this episode? I want to know because then I want to know how I can help more too. And mm-hmm. What people really want to hear or want to learn more about as well. And so for you as well, Eli, like, what do you guys really need? Yeah. Throw the questions down below. Help us to help you. Yeah, amazing. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you for being here. And to those listening, join us next time on another episode of the Healthy Christian Project. Mm